right. Good morning. Wow, it's, it's been four years. Four years ago-ish, I stood up here and got to look out um, at some of your faces. I see new faces as well, and so that's exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, just like Paul, we, we wanted to get here sooner. We wanted to come back and report what God is doing a little sooner and be able to, to see you and be encouraged. And, um, but as we know, the, the world has uh, gone through quite a few uh, changes and things going on. And so due to the pandemic, um, it's taken a little longer, but we're here and we're glad to be here. Uh, so grateful to be here. I'm so excited. Um, this has just been a, an amazing time to see family and friends and our church family um, all over in different places. And so we're, we're so glad to be here. Thank you so much for um, inviting us in and, and uh, welcoming us today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us um, in prayer uh, as we've been in Malaysia these last four years. God is answering your prayers, and that is, that's exciting. I'm, I'm going to share a few of those answered prayers with you today. Let me just start with one, though. Um, if you have been able to keep up with us, if you've seen some of our newsletters, you might remember the name Momoka, um, or Momo. Momo-chan, as we sometimes call her, she is the daughter of one of the Japanese ladies that we work with and who has become a dear, dear friend um, to us. Um, Momoka was severely bullied uh, in school uh, when she moved to Malaysia from Japan, and she went into severe depression she so much so she could not go to school anymore um, she became very isolated she rejected her faith she rejected jesus and she was really really going downhill and was of course her her family and her mother were were just uh, devastated to see that this was happening to her they were praying for her. And as we met this family, we began praying uh, for her and for this family. And we began sharing this prayer request for Momoka to you and to others all around the world. And um, God began working and God began moving. And uh, as of now, Momoka, um, she has... She is in a place where she is learning and desiring to learn and to grow. She has a desire now to, to help others. As soon as she just began coming out of this, this depression and, and this, uh, this difficult, difficulty that she was in, she immediately began looking for ways to help others that were in her shoes or that were uh, just, you know, going through similar struggles. And so... Uh, she's looking at, she wants to be a counselor. She wants to help others who have been bullied. Um, this is where she has come in just really a, a few short months. Um, most importantly, she has come back to Jesus. And uh, it's just so fun to watch what God is doing in her life. 
And so I just want to tell you that um, your prayers are making a difference in people's lives all the way in Malaysia and, um, and, and in this family that is, is beginning to work very closely with us and serve alongside us. Uh, I know God's going to do amazing things through them. So thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for praying for our family just to, to endure and to keep on keeping on. As you know, that can be, that can be difficult uh, for anybody. And so we appreciate your prayers for our family. And I'll, I'll give you a little update and tell you a little bit more, a little more about us in just a minute. But I wanted to also, while I'm, while I'm uh, thanking you, just to thank you too for financial support. Uh, thank you for giving. Thank you for your generosity. I know there are some that support us uh, ongoingly and, and, uh, on a monthly basis. Uh, as a church, you helped us get to Malaysia when we were here before by, uh, by giving generously, and we thank you so much for that. As a matter of fact, we were going to Japan, okay? So for some of you that may be a little confused, you're like, I remember Japan, but well, we were um, planning on going to Japan, but as we began praying, and God was leading us, and there weren't really doors opening at the time to, to get in Japan and to get a visa, and so we were just praying and asking the Lord. We were okay with waiting if that was what the Lord wanted us to do, um, but he said, begin looking in other places, um, and it really put on our hearts the Japanese people, and we began seeing, as we began researching, there are Japanese people living outside of Japan all over the world, and we began thinking, who's reaching them? And so God really put them on our hearts. And we had reached out to Japanese here in America before, but never from anywhere else. But uh, as we began looking and, and Malaysia began rising to the top of that list as we were researching and praying and listening to the Lord, um, we looked at our finances and we had just about the exact amount that we needed to be able to go to Malaysia right away and to get started. And so that was an amazing uh, answer to prayer as well. So just getting there and getting going, um, God has been providing through his people and answering prayers. So thank you so much. I could spend really the whole time just thanking you and, and telling you how God has answered prayers, but I do wanna open up the word of God this morning um, and get into to his word. Um, before we do that, though, I just want to give you a little bit of update, a little bit about who we are, especially uh, for those of you who haven't met us yet. Uh, we are the Parsleys, Matt, my wife, Christina, our son, Jacob, and, and our daughter, Michaela, are sitting there um, with, um, with uh, some more of our family, my sister, Jesse, and Patrick, Journey, Caleb. Um, we're so grateful for them. They introduced us to you, and so we're, we're here because, uh, because of them, we think them for that. But um, we have been in, in Malaysia for the past four years, reaching out and really focusing on the Japanese people group that live uh, in Malaysia, but also in the whole region of Southeast Asia uh, as well. And we have lived in a, in a few different places over these past four years in, within Malaysia. Uh, we've moved uh, about three times since being in Malaysia. And I wanted just to show you a map, if, if we have those pictures, yeah. Um, it's small, but you can see uh, the U.S., North America, and South America over there, and then follow the red line over, and that is Malaysia um, there on the uh, left side of your screen. Malaysia is split up into two parts, a peninsula 
on, on one side and the, it shares the island of Borneo with Indonesia there on the right side. So we live on the left side, on the peninsula part of Malaysia. And if you go to the next picture, you can see a little closer up of that peninsula. And so we lived in the capital city of Kuala Lumpur um, for the first year. And then we moved just a little bit outside of that city, closer to the school, um, where Christina uh, was employed uh, and where the kids went to school at a, an international school there. But then about a year ago, um, God led us to move up to Penang Island and Christina was offered a job at international school there uh, that we accepted. And so now we live on Penang Island uh, off the coast, the west coast of Malaysia there. And uh, Christina works at uh, Dalat International School and the kids attend there. I should say the kid attends there. One of our kids no longer attends as he graduated high school just uh, last month, uh, June 1st. And so... He is a high school grad, and he will be going to college here in the U.S., and so we're sending him off, oh, just about 10,000 miles away to go to school, so thank you for your prayers for that. That'll be a big transition for our family, but we're super excited uh, to see what God does with Jacob uh, here in the U.S. He'll be going to school in, in Plano at Collin College, and um, so we're excited uh, to see to get into this next, yeah, phase of life. I want to share with you today some, some foundational passages that have really impacted our life in the last four years, that have really guided and directed uh, our life and our lives and our family and our ministry. And so we're going to look at, we're going to look at a few different passages today. But um, before we get into that, join me in prayer, and let's ask the Lord to, to speak to us today. Father God, we're so grateful to be here in your presence, in the presence of your people, your church, your building, that you're building up in you, Christ, as our head, as the cornerstone. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear from you through your word today. God, will you speak to us? Will you lead us? Help us to be attentive to listen to what you say so that we can obey you and that our lives can be changed and transformed so that others' lives can be changed and transformed as you send us out to, to share your word, to share your gospel, your good news with those around us, our families and friends, and even with strangers, Lord, that you bring across our path and that we seek out, Lord, to share your good news with. Lord, we want to honor you in all that we do and all that we say. So guide us through this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you'll turn to Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24, we're just going to specifically look at one verse in this chapter today, verse 14. Matthew 24, 14 is the verse that we're going to spend a little bit of time on, and I'll talk a little bit about the context here in a minute, but I want to start off by reading this verse for you. 
and you can follow along. Matthew 24, verse 14. This is Jesus talking. And he said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I want to share a little bit different translation with you that um, we, we serve with an organization called Beyond. It sends out mission workers throughout the world with a specific focus on reaching the unreached, those who have yet to hear uh, the gospel, those who in their lifetime will likely never hear the gospel unless something changes, uh, that will never meet another Christian or never meet a Christian um, unless something changes. This is what our organization is, is really laser focused on doing, sending teams to engage these people groups. And our uh, president of, of this organization or director, he likes to read this verse in this way, looking at some of the Greek words and uh, getting some of the, the translation from there. So, and this gospel of the kingdom, he likes to say, and this good news, right? We know gospel means good news. And this good news of the kingdom or the king's reign, all right? We don't live in a kingdom uh, on earth, and so we don't necessarily, as Americans, always hear a lot about or know what it's like to be under a king's rule, but Jesus has a kingdom where he is the king, and he is reigning over his people, and he is reigning over all creation. So this good news of the king's reign will be preached. The word preached, I don't think, is the greatest word for us to understand Maybe what Jesus is saying here, just because a lot of times when we think about preaching, we think about someone behind a pulpit, right? We think about maybe what I'm doing now. But Jesus says in this good news of the king's reign will be proclaimed. Proclaimed is a good word. And I think even a better word that we don't use often, but it fits well with the context is heralded. And this gospel, this good news of the king's reign will be heralded because a herald is a royal messenger, right? And since Jesus is king and we are his messengers, we are heralds of this good news. So this good news of the king's reign will be heralded throughout the entire world as a testimony. Again, testimony, sometimes we think, a story or personal story, things like that. But this, this word comes from the Greek word martyrios, which martyrios is where we get our English word martyr from. And so especially looking at the context here. And why don't we do that for just a second? Look, just skim through Matthew chapter 24. Real quickly, just look all the way through that chapter and see if some, some things jump out at you. As you go down through the chapter, do you see generally good, joyful, wonderful, exciting things happening? Or do you see difficult, challenging, scary things happening? Do you see suffering and destruction 
This is the context of Matthew 24. There is suffering. There is death. The love of many is growing cold. This is the context in which Jesus is saying that this good news of the king's reign will be heralded throughout the entire world as a testimony, or maybe a a better word here, is as a sacrificial witness. Because of this context, right? Sacrificial witness. The heralding of this good news comes at a cost. Right? We were just uh, studying before the service and we saw that, that Jesus is our example. And that example that Jesus is talking about there is in the context of suffering. And so heralding this good news comes at a cost. And so it's important to remember that this is a, a sacrificial witness that is getting this good news to the ends of the earth. You know... I haven't had to undergo the kind of persecution and suffering and the kind of cost that many of the people that we serve with and that we serve are, are undergoing. Um, we've served the Japanese for a long time, and we've, you know, we've seen that when a Japanese person wants to follow Christ, most of the time it means their family is going to reject them. Their family will try to persuade them not to follow after some foreign gods, some American religion, as they might say, or some Western religion. Um, and so they face, they face rejection from their family. They face rejection from society as a whole. There's a, I think it's a Chinese proverb, but they adopt that in Japan in this situation that says, you know, if the, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. And this is what the Christians in Japan feel like because they are, they are making a move. They are taking a stand that no one around them is and society wants to hammer them back down. Sit down. Be quiet. And so they face that kind of pressure. Um, many times people will lose their jobs if they say that they are Christian and they, they are baptized. So there is that kind of persecution on the Christians Uh, in Japan and those Japanese Christians um, around the world. But we are also working in a place we have never worked before. We are in Malaysia now, and in Malaysia, Malaysia is a a Muslim country, and so the majority of people in Malaysia are Muslim, and the Muslim, Malay people there that want to follow Christ face persecution as well rejection, and those same kind of things that Japanese face, they also face the possibility of physical harm. And, um, and that's something we've seen much more um, living in Malaysia and working with the people that we work with. Um, I want to show you another picture. The next uh, picture maybe that's on there. Yes, there. Um, the two people in front have kind of put a mark over their faces there just for their protection and, and for security purposes. But um, this is Ease and Omar, and we work very closely with them. They have become very dear friends and, and family. Uh, they are a part of a house church that was birthed in Kuala Lumpur um, when we were living there that is still going. 
Uh, but these are two Muslim background believers in Jesus and followers of Christ. Um, Omar, the gentleman, he has worked with us for a while. When, when we moved to Penang up north, that was his hometown, is his hometown, but he moved to Kuala Lumpur about the same time we moved, so we kind of crossed paths. But during that time, we had already gotten to know him online, and, and he, he offered to kind of come into the house church that was birthed while we were there and, and really make, you know, help them continue growing. And, uh, and so he has been a blessing to us. Uh, so remember to pray for him. He is the only Christ follower in his family. When he, he, it took him a few years, but finally a couple of years ago, he told his family that he was a follower of Jesus, of Isa al-Masih, which means Jesus the Messiah. Um, and his family was very distraught. They were very upset. Um, they, they love him and they continue to love him as a son, but they continue to hope and pray that he changes his mind. Um, in fact, when he told his mother, his mother uh, has some kind of physical condition um, and she actually um, had to go to the hospital after he told her she got so stressed and upset. And so now, as he is growing in Christ, he wants to tell his family, hey, this is the real deal and I am in this for life and I'm, I'm gonna, I even want to, <laughs> I want to help other people become Christ followers, you know, as I want that to be all I do. That's his desire, that's his heart, but he's afraid what will happen if he tells his family because his mother's already been in the hospital and he's not sure what will happen and how she will take that. Um, the, the young lady in front there, the picture, her name is Ease, and she is part of our church as well. Um, she is the only believer in her family as well. She has not told her family yet uh, about her uh, commitment to follow Christ, her surrender to Jesus, and um, so it's very difficult uh, for her, uh, she has had threats against her, um, just kind of out there, not knowing exactly where they come from. Um, and so the persecution, the suffering, it's very real, and we're beginning to learn some of those ways to, to best serve our brothers and sisters in this context. But this is, this is the context in which the gospel will go out to the entire world. So this good news of the king's reign will be heralded throughout the entire world as a sacrificial witness to every nation, to all the nations. That word nations, the Greek word is ethne. We get our English word ethnic or ethnicity from that. So really Jesus is saying that the, the good news is going to go out to every ethnic people group in the world. Okay, so we're not... It's not just getting the good news across a, a geopolitical boundary, but into every group of people that share a common language and culture and background. There are 10, over 10,000 of, of people groups in the world. 7,000 of these people groups are still considered unreached. They have little to no access to the gospel. Okay? That doesn't mean that, that they necessarily don't have access to the internet, it means that they're not going to get on the internet to search for Jesus. They have no reason to. They've never heard that they should be doing that. So lots and lots of unreached people groups still in our world, but Jesus said that the good news of his reign will be heralded 
to these people groups. And then the end will come. The end will come. Jesus will return. This is, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is, this is the big vision for us as a family, as a team, uh, as workers. This is what, why we're doing what we're doing. Because I want to see Jesus return. We want to see Jesus come back. And Jesus, we don't know exactly when he's coming back. We don't control when he's coming back. But we know when he's not coming back. He's not coming back until this good news of the king's reign has gone to every people group. And so we are trying our best just to listen to the Lord and just to be a part of what he's doing to reach these people all over the world. So this is the big vision. This is what keeps us going. This is what drives us forward. I want to turn over to Matthew chapter 28 now. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Very popular, well-known passage. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So if Matthew chapter 24 is the, the big vision, the end vision, if you will, then Matthew 28 expands on how to fulfill this vision. This passage gives us the mission. It gives us the strategy for accomplishing this grand vision for everyone to hear. Starting in verse 16 of Matthew 28. So the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came up and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's the mission. Hey, this this passage we spend a lot of time on with those that we are trying to equip and coach and mentor. As we make disciples, we spend a lot of time here because there's a lot actually in this passage as far as mission and our strategy for fulfilling this vision for the gospel to get to the ends of the earth. The mission here, the strategy here, is to make disciples, right? Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Again, that word nations, ethne, go and make disciples of all people groups in the world. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's a, a key Thing that we focus a lot on as we are trying to make disciples we focus on teaching to obey right i have heard so many quotes of the great commission um, where people leave out that word obey or observe you know inadvertently because you know just quoting it and go and make disciples of all nations baptize them and teach them all jesus commanded but it actually is teach them to obey all jesus commanded. that's very different 
right? You remember the, the song, maybe when you were growing up, maybe in, in children's class in Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock. There we go, yeah, I knew it, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, yeah, and the rain came down. You had the foolish man that built his house on sand. Did you know both the wise man and the foolish man in this story that Jesus is telling? Both of them heard the words of Jesus. They both heard the words of Jesus, but only one obeyed the words of Jesus. So we, we put a lot of emphasis on this, you know, and, and not in a legalistic way, but just because Jesus emphasized obedience a lot. John 14 and 15 alone, I think five or six times he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So teach them to obey. This is what we're trying to do, okay, with the, with the Japanese and those around us in Malaysia. We're trying to teach them to obey all of Jesus' commands. And there is a really, I just want to get to the kind of maybe overarching strategy here that we that we try to follow as we, we look in scripture and we, we follow the example of Jesus, we see what he taught his disciples, we see what they go and do, and we, we look at that and we say, we wanna try to follow that same strategy. And even here, right here in the Great Commission, we see something very, very important. Because really, you should have a question, okay, how is this possible? How are we gonna reach the entire world? All right, there are still three billion people that that are not gonna hear the gospel in their lifetime, like I said, unless something changes. Three billion people, how do we get the gospel to them? How do we make disciples of all of them? Well, Jesus said, go, baptize, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, which would include this command he's giving right here, right? This command to go and make disciples of all nations. So in effect, Jesus is saying, go and make disciples and teach them to make disciples who will teach others to make disciples, who will make more disciples, who will make more disciples, who will make more disciples, and so forth and so on, right? That's called multiplication, all right? I have a background in mathematics, and I just can't see any other way, and I'm not really looking for any other way since I see this, what Jesus is saying, I see this in Scripture, but we can't reach the world, we can't reach these unreached people groups by just adding one at a time to the church. Population growth is too fast, right? We're, we're not able to keep up with population growth if we're just adding people one at a time. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's about multiplication. It's not about me trying to share the gospel and make as many disciples as I can. It's about me making a disciple and teaching them to make disciples and he will teach others to make disciples. Then the church begins to grow very, very rapidly, and we're seeing this happen. This is what is, is really exciting with, you know, we're serving with this organization beyond, and they have, they have some really, um, they have some people who have been doing this a long time. Have been, there's a mission researcher on staff who, who goes around the world and, and interviews people and researches what's going on. And he's finding, him and, and other researchers have found there are these movements of God happening around the world and there's a lot of similarities in what they're doing and what they're seeing. And so they've been studying this. And of course, one of the similarities is an amazing amount of prayer. Should be no surprise, right? 
these, these people groups that are experiencing these amazing movements of God, I mean, they are praying like crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, hours and hours a day and having whole nights of prayer. And it, it's amazing to see. But, but these movements of God, they're seeing, they're beginning to see exponential multiplication. All right? I, I always explain uh, exponential multiplication to my students. I used to teach math, right? And I loved when we got to the, the chapter in the, on exponents uh, because, you know, I'd always give them the whole scenario at the beginning. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to learn about exponents to help you start understanding about exponential multiplication. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a little story. I'm going to give you a choice, right? I will give you $100,000 today. That's choice number one. Or you can choose choice number two. I'll give you a penny today, and then I'll double it tomorrow, and I'll give you two pennies. And I'll double it again. And so the third day, you've already got four pennies. And then the next day, that'll double to eight pennies, and so forth. And I'll do that for a month, 30 days. Okay, I'll double that penny for 30 days. So what do you want, choice number one or choice number two? Want the $100,000 now, or do you want the pennies doubled? course, if you are tempted to take the 100000 you might do that. Most of the students would want to do that. I'd say it's too bad because at the end of 30 days, if you would have taken the penny doubled, you would have had somewhere around $10 million. Hard to believe, right? But it's true. It's true. That doubling effect starts out slow. Two pennies, four pennies, eight pennies, 16 pennies, 32, 64. But there comes a point where that graph <laughs> starts moving up very, very quickly. When you double 200,000, you get 400,000. When you double 400,000, you get 800,000. It goes up quicker and quicker and quicker. This is what happens with exponential multiplication. So if we make disciples and teach them to make disciples, and they teach others to make disciples, let's say I make two disciples, and those two disciples each make two disciples, that's four, and then those Four disciples, each make two disciples, eight. Do you see that doubling happen? And this is what happens. And so I can see it mathematically. I see, oh, Jesus, you're a genius. I mean, I knew that, right? But wow, this is how we're going to reach the world. This is how you set it up. Jesus talks about multiplication and, and the fruit, right, of multiplication and, you know, bearing fruit 30 times, 60 times, even 100 times as much as was sown. I know Paul uses this strategy. I see him in 2 Timothy 2, and he says, Timothy, go and, and pass this teaching on to, to others who will pass it on to others. And you see four generations in 2 Timothy 2, 2. Paul says, pass it on to others who will pass it on to others who will pass it on to others. So this is really, this is the... This is the strategy that, you know, the basic strategy that we're looking at. We see Jesus doing this and, and giving us this command. So it's like, okay, this is what we want to do. We're not just focused on making disciples, but making disciples who make disciples. Every disciple is a disciple maker. Okay? After a few generations of that, that DNA just is implanted in those, those Christians and those churches. We're disciples. We make disciples. That's what disciples do. Right? We pass it on. So, we are looking to do that. One of, one of the ways we do that 
we go out, we look for persons of peace, right? In Matthew 10 and Luke 10, you see this Jesus sending out his disciples. Go and look for these specific kinds of people, people that are going to listen to your message, people that are going to invite you to their home. They're going to open up their household to hear this good news, right? And um, if they don't, if they don't welcome you, shake the dust from your feet, move on, right? So this is the strategy that we're, we're trying to do. Okay, Jesus, it's the way you did it. It's the way you sent your disciples. Let's try this. So we're looking for those who are going to welcome us. And when we find them, we try to gather their household or their relational network, their oikos, the Greek word in, in the New Testament, right? We try to gather those that are around them and, and get them engaged with the Word of God, try, try to help them create an environment where they can study the Word of God and they can hear from God and discover who He is. And as they discover who God is and who Jesus is through his word, then there are those that say, hey, I want to I believe. I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus. He's my king. He's my Lord. He saved me. I want to I be a follower of Jesus. And so these people, they get baptized. And pretty soon you have this relational group that has been studying God's word. They've been baptized. They're growing in Christ. And they start studying about the church. And they say, hey, we're a church. And so churches are birthed from these groups. And then guess what happens? What happens from these churches? The disciples in these churches start going out, and guess what they do? They look for persons of peace. They look for those who will, they can share with and that will hear them, that will listen. And then they try to gather their oikos, their relational group. And then that group gets engaged with the Word of God, and then they become a church. And then they send out more to go find persons of peace. And the cycle just goes and goes. This is what we're, we're trying to do. And we're at the beginning stages of this still. All right, we're looking for those persons of peace. Um, we're looking for them. We're looking for those. Now, a lot what God has done um, in us in this last four years, he's given us the privilege of connecting with a lot of already disciples. We found Japanese believers that God has just connected us with. We found Southeast Asian believers. We have found a whole bunch of Southeast Asian followers of Jesus who have a heart for Japanese over and over, God has confirmed that, hey, I have put you here for such a time as this. There are so many Malaysians, Indonesians, Filipinos, Thai that we have met and connected with that have a heart for Japan and the Japanese people. And so we're finding a lot of our ministry, we're able to invest in these people and send them to Japan. And so it's really neat. Um, we're, we're looking forward to, to what all... God is going to continue to do. We've connected with a lot of these people online. During the pandemic, during COVID, there wasn't, couldn't travel and, and see these people face to face. But through the pandemic, it kind of forced us to go online and to reach out more broadly. And we've connected with people from all over the region and all over the world through that. And now that travel restrictions are, are going away, this next season, we feel like it's going to be a lot of, hey, Let's go see these people face to face and let's keep investing in them and equipping them. So we're really excited. Some of the, you can put up the next uh, picture, or a group of pictures here. Um, you can see some of the people we've been able, God's allowed us to be able to equip and to work with and partner with. This, uh, the right bottom picture is our house church that was birthed there in KL that's continuing to go. We continue to coach and mentor them uh, from the outside, and they are stepping up and leading, and it's wonderful. Um, so 
uh, one, more, one more slide ahead. You'll see a few more. Just uh, ways that we connected with people. You can see some online ways during, during the pandemic. Uh, we had a bunch of youth in our house. We did Bible studies with them, but it wasn't just Bible studies. Guess what we were doing? We were convincing those youth as best we could. Hey, guess what? You're disciple makers, all right? Go out your school and your community. Find those that need to, that need to hear about Jesus and make disciples. So it's been super exciting. I want to look at one more passage before we end today. Look at, turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 10. So as you're turning there, let me read our vision statement for this year. It doesn't change much from year to year, uh, but we sometimes tweak a few things as we listen to the Lord and hear from Him. So our team, our family has come up with this vision. We envision the word of the Lord spreading rapidly through every Japanese diaspora community worldwide, leading to movements of multiplying disciples and churches, transforming families and communities both in and outside of Japan. So we envision the word of the Lord spreading rapidly. And this phrasing, the word of the Lord, and this idea of spreading rapidly uh, and worldwide has come from Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 10 among other places. This is one God really emphasized for us. Starting in verse 8, it says, So Paul entered the synagogue and spoke out fearlessly for three months, addressing and convincing them about the kingdom of God. But when some were stubborn and refused to believe, reviling the way before the congregation, he left them and took the disciples with him, addressing them every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all who lived in the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, something that we've discovered that's been pointed out to us, we've studied this passage, is that last statement. And once we understood a little bit more about this statement and the background, it really floored us. It really, it's really amazing. It said that this went on for two years. So we have a time frame here, right? Two years. What happened in these two years? All who lived in the province of Asia... Now, the province of Asia, this is a part of Asia Minor. This is not present-day Asia. This is just a small part, pretty much present-day Turkey uh, is this area, in this region. So all who lived in this region, both Jews and Greeks, so everyone, heard the word of the Lord. All right, so let's go back. Two years, everybody in this region heard the word of the Lord. At this time, scholars estimate that there were between 10 and 15 million people in this region at that time. How did 10 to 15 million people hear the word of the Lord in only two years? That is amazing. I mean, Paul didn't have internet. He didn't have sound systems. He How did he get the word of the Lord to 10 million people in just two years? Well, it's impossible. There's no way Paul could have done that on his own. Right? There's no way Paul could have done that just by teaching people that came to him at this, the place where he was at. That's impossible. Right? Mathematically, it's impossible. You know, it's not, we don't see any, any way that that could happen. But 
if Paul is making disciples and teaching them to make disciples, teaching them to pass it on, teaching them to pass it on, then it's possible. And so we have taken this uh, scripture and we said, okay, we want to see every Japanese uh, diaspora community because that's where God has led us to focus, all right? So we have this big vision, right, of every people group hearing the gospel, but God has led us to focus and to start with these Japanese diaspora communities that are around us and that are in our region and that are all over the world. And so we've been connecting with people and finding these diaspora communities of Japanese all over the world. Um, and this is where we're focusing our, our vision. We want to see the gospel reach these Japanese diaspora communities, trickle back into Japan from these groups, through their families, through their networks. Over 90% of Japanese that live abroad end up going back to Japan, some after a year, some after five years, some after 20 years. So we want to see the gospel getting back into the greater Japanese population as well. All right, so our upcoming focus, ways that you can continue to join us and partner with us. One of the things we're going to focus on this year is multiplying prayer. As we begin to learn more about multiplication, how that works, if, if we can make multiplying disciples, could we multiply prayer? Because if we want to see more prayer, What's better than, than multiplying that out? And so we're going to try to mobilize prayer groups that start other prayer groups, that start other prayer groups, that start other prayer groups to see prayer multiplied across the world for the Japanese and for the unreached. We're also going to focus on local partnerships. I have one more picture that I want to show you. And this picture is of a lady named Mari-san. Mari is a Japanese lady. She is the mother of Momoka that I talked about at the beginning, uh, whose prayers uh, are being answered for her. And right before we left to come here, we sat down, or I sat down with Marisa, and I said, hey, I want you to ask the Lord something while we're gone. I want you to pray about something. I want you to pray about joining our team. She's a house, housewife. Her husband is, is in Japan still. Um, he may end up being able to move to Malaysia soon, but he's actually American, living in Japan. Uh, he's a scientist and researcher. I said, I want, I want you and your family to pray about joining our team. I mean, we're already working together, right? But let's, let's work even closer together. If the Lord tells you to do that, I want you to pray about it. Ask him, is this something the Lord would have you do? To set aside maybe other things that you may be doing? Ask him. And so when we get back, we're going we're gonna to sit down with her and, and see what the Lord is leading her to do. But she may be, if she hears from the Lord and he says yes, she may be the first one, uh, first local person there in the, in the area to join our team. And so we're really excited about that. We'd really ask your prayers for Marisan. She is an amazing woman of God, her and her family. So as we finish up, I want to take just a minute um, to listen to the Lord and to, I want you to ask the Lord what he's telling you, not just what he's telling you to know, but I want you to ask the Lord what he's telling you to do. And this is something that we do often because we only want to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. And so we just have times of what we call listening prayer. We sit down and just say, okay, God, you speak to us. You tell us. If we have a question, God, what should we do next month? What should we do about this group? What should we do about this person uh, where should we go? What, you know, all those kinds of questions. We ask the Lord and we just get quiet before the Lord and ask him to speak to us. Sometimes he'll speak to us very quickly. Sometimes it'll take 
few months before we really hear anything, you know, from the Lord. But I want us just to take a few minutes um, to do that. And I, I want us to, um, if you'll stand, stand with me um, while we do this, because sometimes I, I've put people to sleep in my prayers uh, sitting down. So I, wanna, I want us to pray, and I want us to ask the Lord what he wants us to do. Uh, some, one of the questions that we ask people as we're equipping others is, does God want you to start something new as a result of what he's spoken to you through his word? Does he want you to stop something? Sometimes God says, hey, you need to stop this so that you can start this. Does he want you to change something? So stop, start, or change. Those are some of the words that we use. Um, so let's go before the Lord and just pray and just listen to him. And I'll read off some questions as we're listening um, just to kind of help you think about what God may be saying.